this is from a later chapter of Lanark, which I call the epilogue, because though it doesn't come at the end, it's a part where the character of Lanark is, uh, is shown into a room where he meets a, a fat old, rather cowardly looking invalid in bed who claims to be his author and discusses with him how his book is going to develop because um, Lanark has visited this city where there's a, a kind of gigantic international conference going on in which Lanark has been sent to to represent the, the city of Unthank, which is the uh, a vision of Glasgow, rather like a rather like a modern hell, and uh, and where he has been sent supposedly as its provost to um, to speak out for it. When you leave this room, you will utterly fail to contact any helpful officials or committees. Tomorrow, when you speak to the assembly, you'll be applauded but ignored. You'll learn that most other regions are as bad or even worse than your own, but that does not make the leaders want to cooperate. Moreover, the council itself is maintaining its existence with great difficulty. Monbodo can offer you nothing but a personal invitation to stay in Proven. You refuse and return to Unfathank where the language is tilted at a peculiar angle. Rioters are attacking the clock towers, and much of the city is in flame. Members of the committee are being lynched. Sludden has fled. You stand with Rimmer on the height of the necropolis, watching flocks of mouths sweep the streets like shadows of big birds, devouring the population as they go. Suddenly there is an earthquake. Suddenly the sea floods the city, pouring down through the mouths into the corridors of council and institute and short-circuiting everything. That sounds confusing. I haven't worked out the details yet. Anyway, your eyes will finally close upon the sight of John Knox's statue, symbol of the tyranny of the mind, symbol of the protracted male erection which can yield to death but not to tenderness, toppling with its column into the waves which then roll on as they have done, as they have rolled for a very great period. How's that for an ending? Bloody rotten, said Lanark. I haven't read as much as you have. I never had time, but when I visited public libraries in my twenties, half the science fiction stories had scenes like that in them, usually at the end. Banal work destructions had proved nothing but the impoverished minds of those who can think of nothing better. The conjurer's mouth and eyes widened, open, uh, opened wide, and his face grew red. He began speaking in a shrill whisper which swelled to a bellow. I am not writing science fiction. Science fiction stories have no real people in them, and all my characters are real, real, real people. I may astound my reader by a dazzling display of dramatic metaphors designed to accelerate and compress the action. But that is not science. It is magic. Fictional magic. As for my ending being banal, wait till you're inside it. I warn you, 
My whole imagination has a carefully reined back catastrophic tendency. You have no conception of the damage my descriptive powers will wreak when I loose them on a theme like the end. What about Sandy? asked Lanark coldly. Who's Sandy? My son. The conjurer stared and said, You have no son. I have a son called Alexander who was born in the cathedral. The conjurer looked confused, grubbed among the papers on his bed, and at last held one up, saying, Impossible. Look here, this is a summary of the nine or ten chapters I haven't written yet. If you read it, you will see there is no room time for Rimmert of a baby in the cathedral. She goes away too quickly with Sludden. When you get to writing about the cathedral, said Lanark coldly, you'll describe her having a son more quickly still. The conjurer looked unhappy. He said, I'm sorry, yes. I see my ending becomes unusually bitter for you. A child, how old is he? I don't know. Your time goes too fast for me to estimate. After a silence, the conjurer said querulously, I can't change my overall plan now. Why should I be kinder than my century? Millions of children who have been vilely murdered this century is... Oh, don't hit me! Lanark had only tensed his muscles, but the conjurer slid down the bed and pulled the covers over his head, and they sank until he looked perfectly flat on the mattress. Lanark sighed and dropped his face into his hands. A little voice in the air said, Promise not to be violent. Lanark snorted contemptuously. The bedclothes swelled up in a man-shaped lump, but the conjurer did not emerge. A muffled voice under the clothes said, I didn't need to play that trick. In a single sentence I could have made you my most obsequious admirer, but the reader would have turned against both of us. I wish I could make you like death a little more. It's a great preserver. Without it, the loveliest things change slowly into farce, as you will discover if you insist on having much more life. But I refuse to discuss family matters with you. Take them to Monbodo. Please go away. Soon after I came here, said Lanark, lifting the briefcase and standing up, I said talking to you was a waste of time. Was I wrong? He walked to the door and heard mumbling under the bedclothes. He said, What? No black man called Moltan. I've heard the name. Why? Might you be useful? Sudden idea. Probably not. Lanark walked round the painting of the chestnut tree, opened the door and went out. Mm-hmm.